From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is On Second Thought. I'm Virginia Prescott. A team of specialists at Emory University will never forget August 2nd, 2014. That's the day Kent Brantley, an American missionary based in Liberia, became the first of four patients with the Ebola virus to arrive at its Atlanta facility. For the first time in history, doctors right here in the United States will battle the Ebola virus. We turn now to Atlanta, where the hospital treating America's first Ebola patient is preparing for a second one to arrive. There is now a second patient who contracted Ebola in the hospital in Dallas, and this one had flown halfway across the country with a fever. The eyes of the world watched as the Serious Communicable Diseases Unit in hazmat suits successfully treated Brantley and three other patients with the highly infectious disease. Though the crisis faded from the headlines, an active Ebola outbreak is now going on in the Democratic Republic of Congo and a health emergency. And the team at Emory is innovating on what they learned five years ago to help with the disease now. Dr. Colleen Kraft is an infectious disease specialist and physician and microbiologist who was part of the original Ebola team at Emory. She's joining me to reflect on developments since. Colleen, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate the opportunity. Well, it's so fascinating. I mean, we'll get to the current status in a moment, but just it brings back these scenes and this horror of images of medical specialists, you know, white head to toe, treating people in Liberia, Sierra Leone, uh, Guinea, and here in Atlanta. How, How about for you? What does it bring back for you? I mean, I really divide my life into before Ebola and after Ebola, the amount of things that we learned, um, the team that we built, the team that cared for those patients, you know, all of that work really, really changed who I am and changed who I was also who I am as a physician as well. Oh, that's interesting. I want to get into that, but I'd love to know how Kent, can you remind us of who Kent Brantley was first? Yeah, so Kent Brantley is a family practice physician. He was with Samaritan's Purse in Liberia at the time. Uh, at that time, you know, it was not known that in West Africa you could have Ebola virus disease. We don't really know what the vector is for Ebola virus. And so it was introduced into a population that both, you know, had never seen it before, but then was really unprepared to manage it and the spread because it really spread from rural areas, as is where it's usually found to begin with, into these urban settings. Mm-hmm. And so what happened was that Kent found himself on the front line um, with their Elwa hospital. And, um, you know, he was taking care of, you know, 20, then 30, then 50 patients a day. And he was watching them all die, basically, Mm. because they weren't really prepared to do full, almost intensive care like work in in that in that hospital setting. When did you find out that he was coming to Atlanta? July 30th, 2014. Just a few days before then. Right. And so that's also Bruce Ribner's birthday, which I just found out this year that that was his birthday. So he's the medical director of our serious communicable diseases unit. But I was rounding in the hospital. I was actually rounding on patients that were located in where we were eventually to put Kent and followed by Nancy. And I remember getting a page from Bruce and we often did drills. And so I did not believe him that this was a real thing because they we did drills every year and it was always sort of this surprise you know you're you're stressed to the max and then they tell you about the drills what what is that Oh, you know, we typically have like a fake patient I come see. over from some location. They might start at CDC. They might start at the airport. We're, we're, we do them all the time now. We do them even more frequently than we um, have in the past before Ebola came to the United States. But yeah, we try to test all our systems with fake patients to see how things function in the moment. So this is as a member of the Serious Communicable Diseases Unit at Emory University Hospital. 
um, that the first outbreak of Ebola was reported in the Democratic Republic of Congo or DRC in 1976. So what did you know about the disease then? And how did you expand on that knowledge? Yeah, so it was in the village of Yambuku. And they didn't name it the Yambuku virus because they didn't want to stigmatize that village in the Democratic Republic of Congo until, I would say, 2014, were really focused on quarantine. These were only rural outbreaks. They were in very remote settings. They didn't have great infrastructure. And so while they tried to clinically support these uh, individuals who were infected, they didn't have a lot to offer them. You know, I think they started giving some plasma, some different things um, very early on in some of the 1990s outbreaks. But it was really a focus of quarantine. So by 2013, when this outbreak happens in West Africa, were you equipped as at all to deal with the actual treatment beyond the quarantine. So we were in a preclinical sense. So since, you know, there had been a whole host of basic scientists that had been researching Ebola virus disease and its treatment for decades. By 2014, we actually had some therapeutics, but none of them had been tested in humans, partly because we hadn't had a ton of recent outbreaks during the early 2000s. And so, um, you know, we we then began to give things like ZMAP, uh, Kent and Nancy both received ZMAP. I can say that because it's all been published. You can yes, find it yourself. Yes, and now it is successfully being used. Right. So it's been used. Uh, now they've uh, this outbreak that's going on in the North Kivu region of the Democratic Republic of the Congo has had um, given the most medical countermeasures. That's sort of the term we use um, instead of experimental drugs. It doesn't, doesn't sound quite as um, negative. We even think we're getting closer to like actually true superiority in some of these drugs, which honestly, even in 2014, we couldn't imagine a clinical, a prospective clinical trial where we could establish, you know, an effective treatment for Ebola virus disease. It's extremely exciting. We're getting a picture of Ebola then and now from Dr. Colleen Kraft, an infectious disease specialist and microbiologist. She's reflecting on her work with U.S. Ebola patients at Emory University following an epidemic five years ago. And this was huge in the media. I mean, People were terrified when those patients were first brought to the U.S. What kind of feedback, and I would say kickback, did you get at the time? Well, most of us got it on many different levels. And so, you know, your next-door neighbor. Uh, I had the a preschool parent that wanted to pull their child out of the preschool because my child was in the preschool. Uh, you know, we had friends that were working in West Africa that, were, that came back and were quarantined. Their families wouldn't let them come to holidays. Um, you know, wouldn't let them stay in their house. So it was, it was, you know, a really interesting time. I think we also learned a lot about transmission. You know, if you think about um, Mr. Duncan, who was the only sort of, you know, imported case, the true imported case in the United States. The man in Dallas exactly. who, who died. He Correct. was of Liberian descent, I think. Yes, he was visiting his fiance and family. Mm -hmm. And so he actually didn't infect any of his family members who were caring for him while he was ill. And so it's really been interesting to watch sort of what we learned about how transmissible it truly is, and then realizing that, you know, it still is a life-threatening disease that you definitely don't want. Yeah, and so you must be used to that in the communicable, you know, serious communicable diseases. The way that people's fears operate has a lot to do with how the course of this evolves. Is that, is that accurate? Absolutely. We, though, um, spent a lot of time in Emory Hospital to our patients. We had people available to talk to patients, family members, and staff. <clears throat> we had numerous town halls at, for all shifts to be able to address every single person that had a concern within our healthcare system as well. And, you know, it's interesting. Uh, our third patient had eye disease two months after he recovered. We kind of had to do it all over again in the clinic 
Because the clinic, of course, wasn't concerned about having Ebola virus disease, except that we found it in someone's eye in the clinic. And so, you know, we really had to spend a lot of time answering questions and educating about, you know, why, how safe we were being, you know, we were being very intentional, you know, the purposes of bringing these individuals back, et cetera. Well, and I know two of them just came back last month to, um, what, was there a lot of high-fiving? Or were they also there to be checked out? I mean, do you keep track of these patients and how they're doing? Oh, we absolutely keep track of them. We have very close relationships with all of them because we sort of walked on the moon together um, and they survived. And, you know, we feel indebted to them for their generosity and keeping us in mind. And, and of course, they appreciate the care that we gave. There was some high, maybe some high-fiving, but it was like a reunion. It was like a very, very touching reunion. And Dr. Ian Crozier, he's back in the DRC. Yes. So, so he, he is back. Uh, he Actually, he's been in North Kivu. In Goma, there were three cases that went to the capital region of Goma um, of one to two million. He helped um, care for those individuals. And then in South Kivu, he was also been recently there, um, all with uh, WHO and Lidos. So once you've had the disease, does one have the, the antibodies against it or... Uh Are there other kind of precautions that he has taken to protect himself? Yeah, so he undoubtedly will take the same precautions as everyone else. So it is true that he has antibodies against this disease, uh, but it would be not good from a team perspective to have one person that has sort of different rules when they go into the Ebola unit as somebody else from a team and contagion standpoint. You said earlier that we all took this walk on the moon together. So this was absolutely a pioneering thing, never done before. Did you think at any point that you couldn't do it? I mean, what what were the stakes? Oh, the stakes were high. Uh, I mean, the stakes were your own life. But I did not have concern that I was going to contract this. The way it would have defied logic, the way that we were dressing, so it's called donning and doffing our personal protective equipment. Uh, I, I did not have concern. Our team was really close. We are always watching each other. No one was ever left uh, alone. And so we just, and everything that we did that was different, like starting dialysis or intubating the patient, we did that as a team, as a large group. And so everybody, we also had like a flat hierarchy. Anybody could raise concerns or have, if they had issues, you know, it wasn't something we just sort of made a, a, a quick decision on. I think the thing that I thought we weren't going to be able to do was save Ian Crozier. Mm. He was so sick. um, And I remembered back to um, Kent Brantley's, I think it was August 21st, his Today is a Miraculous Day press conference. And I just didn't think we were going to get Ian there. I thought he was, we just thought he might die. And that was so scary and stressful. That's what I thought we couldn't do was save Ian. So he, once the virus came out of his body, his whole, like his brain, his kidneys, liver, everything came back. No degenerative effects five years later? Oh, well, he would say plenty because the post-Ebola sequelae are many. So joint disease, you know, he had the eye disease. He required also cataract surgery um, because he had in- inflammation of his eye. He also ended up with cataract. You know, um, he also had encephalitis from Ebola. So he states that he still has sort of word-finding issues. He has some hearing loss um, from it being in his brain. But... I would say, in general, from what we thought he would recover to, to being back in Goma, taking care of other patients, you know, he's, I think he's doing great. So now, Ebola curable, let's say, due to ZMAP, or there can be 
better results than we certainly saw in the past. But the World Health Organization does still say that this outbreak in the Democratic Republic of Congo is serious. Why do you think we aren't hearing as much about it as we did during the 2014 outbreak? Uh, So there's a couple things I wanted to respond to. One is that this is still out of control because of the violence in the area. So when Ian spoke to us from Goma uh, at our commemoration last month, there have been only over 200 attacks on um, Ebola treatment units and healthcare personnel. That's a very hard situation in which to find people, contact trace, give vaccine to those that have potentially been exposed. So that's the reason this is, even though the treatment's been really a great advancement, the political and social situation there is is dire. And so, you know, in a little bit of a jaded way, one of the reasons we don't hear about it is because we haven't imported a case. Remember, we didn't care much about West Africa until Kent Brantley came. Right. I mean, it, it, it kind of raised that global awareness. Um, you know, it's it's just sort of a tough situation. We also, I think we kind of think because Democratic Republic of the Congo has had 10 outbreaks, you know, this is just one more for them. But this is really different than all of their previous outbreaks. It, it's it's more already people than all of their other ones combined. I do think um, that if it continues to perpetuate, I, unfortunately, there could be many headlines about it, which we really don't want. Right. But now it feels a little like elsewhere, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Yeah. Well, Dr. Colleen Kraft, what a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for sharing um, the post-Ebola Dr. Kraft. Yeah. Thanks. It's my pleasure. Dr. Colleen Kraft, an infectious disease specialist, physician, and microbiologist, and part of the original Serious Communicable Diseases Unit team at Emory. She helped treat Ebola patients there in 2014 and continues to. Coming up, a writer from Columbus previews her debut novel. It's called Tidal Flats, and it's about the tension in a marriage for adventure and the desire for stability. Stay with us for that when On Second Thought continues. continues.